Father, we ask you, Lord, to just cover us with your Holy Spirit, allow the words that are spoken to be edifying. Father, to be piercing so that we gain some more understanding and we do some more alignment. Guide us, Father, in the way that we should walk and how we should go. And most of all, Father, you receive the glory. We thank you for it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, if you have been tuned in at all, we've been on a series called The Place of Next. And uh, I thought it was going to be a few weeks. I didn't expect it to still be gone. This started right after the first of the year. And the place of next uh, is visionary. It's about where your vision sees you are and where you're going to. You can be in your place of next and you're already getting ready to arrive to continue on. Everybody is from a place of from, aren't we? And we've been moving. And the word of God says that we move from a glory to a glory. Paul said when they were asking him, how do you explain your God? And this was in Acts 17. What he said was, in him we live and move and have our being. So in God we have movement. God is a moving force. He never intended anything to be stale and stagnant. Everything he's created has motion and movement, does it not? And we've learned through science that every force of every uh, thing in the sky, every object in the sky, whether it be a moon, a star, or a planet, a meteor, everything is being pulled by each other. There's force, there's movement. Things are planted and they grow up or they grow down. Everything moves. From the moment we're born, this body's in movement. It's moving and when it stops moving, then the spirit is either with the Lord or somewhere else. We want it to be with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's a constant movement. God said that he'll take us from a strength to a strength. We're never supposed to be just as strong as we were before. We're supposed to be growing stronger. He said he will move us from a faith to a faith. Never before relying on just the faith we had before, but mustering new faith for what there is. God is a source and he gives us resources. And to that end, you and I are a resourcer. Now, what is a resourcer in the career field? A resourcer is somebody who goes out and finds people and brings them in. It's a recruiter, if you will. In the military, they have a recruitment office. That's a resourcer. But in the kingdom of God, you and I are resourcers. God's the source, and he gives us provision. He gives us vision. He gives us everything that he wants us to have because why? We have been created like him. We have been recreated in his image, in the image of Jesus Christ. And so there's vision and there's provision. And we as resourcers receive from the source. If you recall, We've dealt with establishing the altar of God in the place of next. We've dealt with the gates and closing and opening the gates. We've dealt with being able to establish and know our vision as we arrive. We've talked about being able to let go of what was so we can grasp what is. We talked about being able to understand God in the now that he's moving us into the future and that he's already taking care of the past. We've talked about many things about the place of next. And last week I told you that we were 
we're gonna discuss some keys for provision in the place of next. And so I want to do that. Regardless of what the theme is in all of the world today, we've already dealt with that in worship. I wanna continue on in the plan of God just like he has given us. We will not be moved. And so in that end, there's provision for the place of next. Now what is provision? Provision has action. And that's why it says in him we live and move and have our being, it's action. Provision is providing or supplying something for a use. And um, it, it requires a supply chain and a supply line. It requires delivering and it requires furnishing. And provision of supplies has a delivery system that we're gonna talk about in a moment. And provision and supply chains work best when there's a process that's orderly when something is in order. Right now there's a little bit of chaos, isn't there? People are going to stores and we're seeing stuff, I don't know, by the grace of God, I don't go to stores too often, my wife takes care of that. She knows for two reasons, we made an agreement because I typically go with her when I'm hungry and then I buy all kind of stuff I shouldn't buy. And then she yells at me. And then number two, I'm like one who wants to get it done and I'm not looking at the prices and the brands and then she's really mad at me. And so what's in the bucket, bucket ends up coming out of the buggy, and I'm saying, why am I here? i just pushing the buggy around. So we've made an agreement. She shops very well. I help unload it when I'm there, and that's the end of that, and sometimes I help her eat it too. But, it, but in the sense of a supply chain, we've seen recently that supply chains aren't working very well in certain areas and items. Isn't that true? When, you know, we lived through many hurricanes down south, and whenever there was a hurricane, everybody rushed to go get everything. Home Depot was wiped out. Lowe's was wiped out. The stores were wiped out. All they do was show in the news, empty shelves of everything, and now we're seeing some of that pandemic here in this country where people are buying everything out, even things they really don't want because it's all that's left. So they're taking it on the shelf. They don't know why they have baby wipes. They don't have a baby. And they think that it's gonna disinfect and it doesn't disinfect anything, but they're buying them anyway because it's paper. One person told me that their daughter said that there was a run on coffee filters because people were gonna use that as a substitute for toilet paper. People are a little crazy when it comes time and the su supply chain is interrupted. Well, God has a perfect order in a supply chain. Our Father in heaven has a, a perfect provision for every vision. But first must come the vision. And so we're getting the vision of the place that next. We're getting the vision that even though we've already done some things, that we haven't quite arrived at where we're supposed to get yet. It's like Paul said, even though I've attained, I don't act like I've attained. He said, I'm still pressing forward for the prize. I'm not stopping. And he says, I'm reaching up and I'm reaching out. And then he goes on and he admonishes the Corinthians and he tells them, act as if you're mature. Never stop. So even though we come to a place of next, we realize that we're already preparing in that place of next for where God's gonna do and what he's gonna do with us. You are a resourcer. I am a resourcer. The source is God Almighty. Now, it does work best when it's orderly. 
That's why we spent 25 weeks, about a year, year and a half ago, on the spheres of the kingdom, getting everything in order about how do spheres of interest work with each other? How do they interrelate? How do they interact? The big sphere is the body of Christ, right? That's it. And Paul said, stay within your sphere of interest. Even he did. But our sphere of interest is forever growing. We overlap with each other. You give to me, I give to you. Our church operates in a sphere in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is forever growing. It's a government without end, and it's organic, and so we contribute one to another. There's a source, a supply. There's an orderly way that things are done, and it starts with Jesus our Lord and God our Father. We understand that in this fact of of provision that we don't do well if we don't provide and prepare ahead of time. Now, let's not get that confused. If you're waiting to do something for God to have everything that you think you need, you will never receive it. Because what you sow comes in a season. So we sow before we reap and harvest. We must sow, we must sow the vision. We must sow everything that we do prior to receiving it in due season. Now, if God is the source and we are his children, that makes us the resourcer. God gives it to us. We become stewards of what God gives us, right? He says that we're stewards of talents. We're stewards of treasures. We're stewards of time. God gives us time. How do we use our time? We have talents that God has given us. How are we using our talents for the kingdom and for him? And we also have treasures. God gives us treasures. What are those treasures? There are many things. It could be your mind. It could be your gift. It could be your dance. It could be your song. It could be your preaching, your prophesying, your ministry. It could be gifts of help. It could be gifts of comfort, gifts gifts of counsel, gifts of prayer. God gives many and sundry gifts to the members of Christ. We become stewards of those. They come from God. Every good and perfect blessing comes from God above. God is the source. So the point is that before we can even expect provision in the place of next, we must first make sure that we've established relationship. If there's no relationship, then it's disruptive. Nothing is going to happen. So first and foremost, God is looking for relationship with us. That's why we spent a whole week on the altar, establishing the altar of God wherever we're at, honoring the altar of God wherever we're at, having a place where we interact with God in the presence of God and all that we are, knowing that this is a temple. You are a temple, and you are the temple of the Lord. And if that is, then the presence of the Lord is always drawing upon your temple. You're a place of worship. You're a place of prayer. You're a place of creativity. You're a place where visions are birthed from God on high into your spirit. So it all develops in relationship. We can talk about everything under the sun. We can talk about every dream, every vision. We could even boast about things we did, and we could brag about things we're going to do. But if we don't have relationship with God, nothing is going to move. So the first key to provision in anything that we do is relationship with God. We must never get so busy that we fall out of relationship with God. We must never have a deadline 
that becomes just that. It makes us dead with God. We must always be in a place where God is first and foremost in everything that we do. Because if he is, then he makes a promise to us. And his promise is, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then he will supply everything that you need. So that's relationship. You don't seek the kingdom of God by being busy. You seek the kingdom of God in relationship first. Everything else follows. And then it all comes, but it comes in due seasons. Now, there's a scripture that comes out of Luke 6, verse 38. Luke 6, verse 38. And these are the words of Jesus Christ. These are the words in your Bible. Most of the time they come in red print. Jesus says, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be put into your bosom. One translation says, your lap. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back into you. Now, the way that things were measured in those days, and by the way, they still are in many third countries. When we were in Haiti, right after the earthquake, and we were there for almost one full year, and we labored and toiled, and we did everything we could to help until they put so many tariffs on it, because they're a bunch of crooks in the government, that we couldn't afford to do any more. They just were concerned about going back to business as usual, in spite of people being hungry and poor and needing things. And we were there, we would have things to give. And a lot of times the woman would come and they'd have an apron on. And it was the same way in Jesus's day. And they would hold the apron out and we would pour it into their apron. And you know what they would do so they could get more? They'd shake it and it would press down and it would become more so they had more room to receive and they'd shake it, pressed down and measured. And so the measure that we were giving was pressed down so they could get more. And that's what Jesus was saying. He was saying, give and it shall be given to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over into your lap. But first you have to give. What do you give first and foremost yourself? He wants you. He doesn't want your things. Do you think God needs anything? And so we have two words to look at, it and things. Give and it shall be given to you. Well, what will be given to you? Anything that you give. You give of yourself, God gives of himself. What do you want the most, things or God? I want God the most because I know all the things will follow after God. If I work for the things, then I'm gonna work really hard. But if I have faith in God and work for God, I don't have to work hard for the things. But we get it all mixed up. We put the priority working for the things first and God second, and so God, he sits there and Jesus says, come unto me, all of you who are heavy laden. My yoke is light, it's easy. Let me carry this for you. And here we are just trudging along, working till our hands are raw. And, we, and the Lord says, slow down. Work for me and watch what I'll do for you. One of my prayers and blessings, we had somebody in our house the other day. We had an insurance thing. And the guy was a pretty interesting fellow. He runs BMS uh, bikes and uh, he does all those crazy things and he had a little earring in his ear. I liked the guy, we had a nice long talk, he loves the Lord. And when he was getting ready to leave, he said, you know, I put in sometimes 12 and 15 hour days. I said, I do myself as well. I said, but I don't do them all just toiling for money. I do a lot for the kingdom of God. 
And I said, so, and by the way, most of you know, I work, right? I work. I don't receive a salary here. I work. I've never received a salary in ministry. I work just like you do. I tithe in here just like you do. So I work. I have to work. I have to work enough to take care of my family, which is forever growing. Grandchildren, children. How many of you know daughters come back? (laughs) Bless God, daughters come back. My son, 17 years old, out the door in the military, he hasn't been home since. My daughter's, daddy's there, right? And mama, daddy and mama, and the grandchildren. We had a house full of grandchildren yesterday, praise the Lord. So we understand that we want to work so hard. Well, my prayer for him was this, and it's my prayer for you and my prayer for a lot of people, that you work half as hard and receive twice as much because you're putting your portion in the Lord, right? That's my prayer for you. I pray for you right now, that you work half as hard and receive twice as much. This isn't a prosperity message, but it is. God would have us to prosper, but it's not about prospering that we serve God. It's about believing him at his word and sowing. How many of you know if you don't sow something, that thing that it's talking about isn't going to manifest? The thing is what? It's whatever you sow, right? And he will give it, that thing, back to you, pressed down in a measure that's greater than anything you can imagine. So second key, first one is relationship. Second one is to sow and to discern what you're sowing. Because whatever you sow is what you're going to reap. So what do you sow? Do you sow an anxiety that says, I'm not going to be able to pay my bills? Or do you sow a faith that says, you know what, Lord, no matter what comes its way, I'm going to give my God's share to him, and God's going to help me pay my bills. You know, we had something happen in the church just a couple weeks ago. It's, it was minor, but it was big. Somebody with their own ministry sowed into our church $1,000. So when we were all done, and we were trying to give and give and give because of our missions, there was a little quick meeting, and it says, we should give to their ministry. What should we give? I said, $1,000. They said, but wait a minute. Why don't we give half and then we have half? I said, give $1,000. We gave the $1,000 and what you know that same week in the offering was $2,000. Now, we needed it. We used it. We had to get more money to India. We have stuff still going to Israel. We are people, we're a small church that gives a lot in the mission field. We have stuff to do. So we give it and we receive it. You see, what you sow is what you receive. Now, let's get the prophetic end of that. God already knew that we were going to get $1,000 that day from a ministry that has needs of its own. They sowed into this ministry so that they could receive for their ministry. It's the Melchizedek offering, right? The lesser gives to the greater. It's not that I'm greater, it's that they feed from this house. They feed spiritually from this house. They receive covering from this house. They receive authority from this house in the kingdom of God. So they sowed into it, and God knew before that, he was testing my heart also and our hearts. What do we believe God for? Well, I said, well, we're not going to let them out give us back to them. We're going to give them back what God has given us. We're going to sow it in, and God not only blessed them for what they sowed into us, but he gave us a double portion back the same day. In season, it happened quickly. Now, that's an example for you. I told you one time what happened to me, and this isn't about all about money. It's just about seed. When I finally received the heart, 
that it didn't matter what we did in ministry. We didn't need to be acknowledged. We didn't need to be recognized. We just needed to be obedient. And when that really opened up was when we opened our first church up in Africa. And God began to bless. And God began to trust us with more. And today we have 35 churches in Africa. All touch heaven churches. We have a bona fide bishop there. We have people getting saved. We've had witch doctors that have been converted. We had a, 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 an imam that was converted in, in the Muslim mosque that was in this area. We had a bridge that connected this remote area over a river in Samburu in between Samburu that, that, that had crocodiles infested in it. The first time that we baptized people from that area downtown, we went downtown and did open gospel. We baptized 800 of them in the crocodile infested river. And, and, and uh, yeah, that was, that was something. Every time something was nibbling on my leg, I was like, and they had Zulus there. They're, they're Zulus. And so they were in the water with spears. They kept telling me, no problem, no problem. They're looking. And I kept thinking to myself, what if one of these guys is nearsighted or doesn't have good vision? I don't know. What if he falls asleep? You know, but I said, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. I came here with two legs. I'm going to leave here with two legs. Bless God. But we said they needed a bridge because the people needed it for the economy of their area. So we believed and declared a bridge. Do you know who went two years later and built a $50 million bridge for them? The Chinese. The Chinese are trying to get favor all around the world. So they're going into these areas and they're building things so that they will be linked with them for their resources. I don't care about what they thought they were doing. We know what they did. God took from the heathen and invested it into the kingdom of God. I want, you to, I, want, I want to encourage you to have a big vision in your place of next. And so God has trusted us. In Haiti, we stopped everything. We didn't even work for nine months. We couldn't. We, we, didn't even, we didn't have the resources. We didn't have a warehouse. We didn't even have a tow motor. We had nothing. And, and, and God spoke it on a Sunday with me crying in our house. And I told my wife, I got to do something. These people are dying. She said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know, but Lord, here I am. The phone started ringing on Monday. By Friday, we were filling up storerooms with stuff. We didn't know how to transport it. We didn't understand the supply chain. We didn't understand the delivery system. We weren't set up for it. But within a few weeks, God had us humming. We became the largest exporter into Haiti on the East Coast that was faith-based in all of the country. And Miami-Dade didn't know what to do. They called us up. They said, come and get our stuff. Briar Colony called us up. Come and get our stuff. The largest Haitian population was there. And so all of a sudden, the Haitians are coming to us and saying, could you find my brother? Could you find my sister? Could you find that? We became an outlet for evangelism with the food. The U.S. Navy partnered with us out of Jacksonville and began to ship our stuff on ships. We, did, we, couldn't, we couldn't deliver it over there. So myself and, 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 and ourselves and a pastor at Cooper City both agreed to buy a truck. We shipped it over there. We put people in the truck to begin to deliver it to the people there. We had a delivery system. And we made sure they weren't reselling it. We made sure it got into the hands of the people that could use it. And while we were there, while I was stranded there because the earth kept shaking and I couldn't get out. Oh, that was a story. I, could, I expected to come home. I told my wife, I'm coming home tomorrow. I was so happy. And then we had another earthquake. And whenever there's an earthquake, the planes can't fly. And I had a free seat on the University of Miami airplane, and that plane didn't come in. 
and I didn't get to go, but I did something that was compassionate but stupid. It was stupid. I gave everything of my own away. All I had left was a pair of old tennis shoes. I didn't even have a shirt. I had a t-shirt. I didn't have anything left in my pocket. I gave it all away because I was leaving that afternoon. Well, guess what? I became the refugee. I went over there to help. I was standing in line there, there at the airport and nowhere to sleep. So they gave me an army cot and I was able to stay with the, the army boys for about two weeks. So guess what we did? We went out every day and we brought K rations and things to the people and they gave me a nice shirt and I had a little blanket to roll up in. And God tempered our hearts even a little bit more to let us understand it's not our timing, it's God's. You see, we weren't done. We thought we were done because we didn't think we had anything else to give. But you know what we had to give? Ourselves. That's when we got to pray for the sick. That's when we got to lay our hands on people and fill them with the Holy Spirit. That's when we got to minister to the army. It was through that. So God's never done. We think he's done. We don't understand what God is doing. But if we just put a little seed in, God will blow it up if our heart's right with him and what we have to do. It was through those experiences that I understood that one of the keys for the provision of God is to give without any, anything attached to it. Just give. Just give. When God gives you an opportunity to give, give. Don't count the cost. Don't wonder how it's going to happen. If God says, daughter, son, do this, begin to do it with all your might. Watch what he does. And you know what the other key is? This is another key for me. These are personal keys. How many of you say, I, I really want to experience the most joy of the Lord that I could have? I see. Okay, Gene, I was a little worried about your arm. didn't go up right away. Your shoulder okay? Father, touch that shoulder and heal it right now in Jesus' name. Now put it all the way up. There you go. Thank you, Jesus. Put it up again. Say, Lord, thank you for the healing in my arm. I worship you, Lord. I want the joy of the Lord. I take the healing of the Lord. I thank you for the healing. Come on, move that shoulder around. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let it go. Let it go. You're a tough guy. Bite your lip. Don't let the pain bother you. Yeah. Okay. Hey, joy of the Lord. You know what the greatest joy of the Lord is? When you give for the Lord and he tells you three words, I am pleased. You know how happy I was this morning? And I'm sure you were too. The Lord said he was pleased. You know what he was pleased about? We didn't allow anything to get in the way of our time with him together in church. Now, I'm not being critical. If people, you know, whatever they're doing, they're doing. That's okay. I honor that. Each is unto the Lord. It's not about being critical. But for me in my house, we shall serve the Lord. And so the Lord was saying to us, thank you for taking the time to be with me today. And it doesn't mean that God is not smiling with grace upon anybody else who has made a different choice or any other churches around this world that have done something different. But I tell you what I heard, I am pleased. What did we give him? Just a little bit of our time. But you know what we gave him more than that? Our faith. You see, without faith you can't please God. So how can I preach a message of faith and then say, be afraid? I can't do that. How can I be used of God and say, I'm afraid? How can somebody lay a, a, a person at my feet who everyone was afraid to touch, who's dying, and say, I'm not going to touch her. I'm just going to pray over her. 
when what she really wanted in those last moments was to be in somebody's arms that loved her, to be sent out with love. You see, we're people of faith. So here's the key. So in faith, receive the joy. So in faith, receive the joy. What you give in faith to God, he says, he will give it down to you, pressed down and more. Anything you sow into God for the kingdom, the current for that is faith, not currency. Currency is, you know, just been taught to us too much. Faith is a current. Faith activates God. God doesn't need any currencies. There's no such thing as a currency in heaven. His economic system doesn't work like our economic system. God says faith moves him. Why? Because all God is is I am. God doesn't know anything. He doesn't have a negative thought in his mind. He never will. He never shall. He's never had a need. He's never been unable to do anything. He's only been able to say when he's been asked, well, Lord, who should I say? What should I say? How does it happen? He goes, I am. He gets a little frustrated. Don't you understand? I am. And so when we say to Lord, you are, God says back to me, I'm pleased. Your faith pleases me. And then he gives it back to us. What do you sow? You sow what you expect of God or you sow what God tells you to sow. Now, you want to pay your bills? Pay into the kingdom of God. And be a good steward. Don't keep making bills when you owe bills. huh? Because if you keep sowing bills into your bills, guess what you get? Bills. That's pretty obvious, isn't it? Right? And, and if you use resources that you know are going to deplenish and not be resourced back to you, what do you get? You end up to zero. You've got to invest your resources into what God's telling you to invest it into, right? And then you'll see it multiply. Because there's a law, a universal law of source and resource in the kingdom of God, and it gets to us in Genesis 1, and it comes to us in the first 12 verses, and then thereafter, all the way to verse 26. And whatever kind God created, it recreated its own kind. Let it multiply. Right? Vegetables, let each one multiply. Uh, livestock, let each one multiply. Fish, let each one multiply. People, let each one multiply. Let every kind bring forth its own kind. So if you want for God to, to give you a harvest and a reap in something, then you need to sow something of the kind. Not exactly the same thing, but something of the kind. You want charity from God, give charity to somebody. You want love, give love and it will return to you. You want forgiveness, you must forgive. And God says, not only will that person forgive you, but I'm going to forgive you in the heavenly places. God must react to that kind of faith because that's who he is. So that's a key to provision. Give and it shall be given to you. With the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now don't be stopped. That doesn't mean that God's going to restrict to the quantity. He's talking about the quality. The quality of what you're given, that's the quality of what God's going to give you. But he already told you he's going to give you press down. It's that kind of a thing that multiplies. It's a law of reproduction. Now, let's talk about how we convert our resources. And it, I, I like to look at Isaiah 48, 17. Isaiah 48, 17. Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you to, to what? I am the Lord your God, who teaches you, well, it says what is best for you. My translation says is to profit. 
who leads you by the way that you should go. Two things we glean from that. The Lord will teach us how to be profitable at the things that we do. It's not just about money. It's about being successful. It's about accomplishing what you go to do. But he also says in that, and he will lead you by the way that you should go. Not only does he teach us in it, but he will lead us in it if we put him first. And so we want to understand in the kingdom of God, putting God first then requires him by his own word to prosper that which we do for him in the kingdom of God. It's a supply chain. Remember I told you there's a supply chain? It starts with God the source. The end of the supply chain is not you and me. We are the resourcer. God provides it to us so that then we can be good stewards of what he gives us for not only ourselves, but for the kingdom. Isn't it interesting? God never gave a rule that said, give me 90% and keep 10% for yourself, did he? He gave us a law and he gave us a measurement that's a tithe. And for the most part, it's 10% of what we tithe. Now, sometimes we give special offerings and we do other things, but God says 10%. It doesn't mean 10% of your time. It means 10% of what you profit in with what the Lord gives you, you're going to resource back into God. Well, let's do some math. You resource back to God 10% and he gives you back at least 90%. Because if God doesn't give you back 90%, then 10% that keeps getting less and less is less for God. God's a Jew, remember that. So God's going to give you more, right? He's going to give you more so you can get more back. And in this instance, when God multiplies, he's multiplying so that we are also more reproductive in the kingdom of God because you're in the supply chain. And if you disrupt the supply chain, then it's got to shift and go to somebody else because God's going to do what God wants to do. But the problem is he may not use you and I if we disrupt the supply chain. New ideas, new concept, new ways to profit. Ecclesiastes 11.1, 1. cast your bread upon the waters for you will find it after many days. And uh, he goes on and he says also in that same thing, in the morning sow your seed, in the evening do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, either this or that. So the Lord says, have faith, continue to do what he has said. Now, when we're asking for provision of God for what we're doing, let's be mindful about season. You see, one of the worst things that can happen is we become impatient and think that God missed us or we missed him. We move on to another thing so that the cycle starts all over again. How many of you have seen that over and over in your life? You move on to something else because this was getting stale. It didn't happen according to your timetable. So you pack up your lunch and you move on to the next workplace, the next station, the next place of next that really wasn't prepared for you or for I. Well, Paul spoke about that in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. And in that, he says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of God. Don't Go less than your time and don't 
go beyond your time. What happens if I give you a really wonderful fish? I give you the best fish you could possibly have to eat. You take it home, you don't eat it. You put it on the counter, you stick it in your garage. Five days later, you go out to eat this beautiful fish. What happened to it? It smells, it ages, it stinks. That's what happens when we go beyond our time with what God gives us to sow. Now, what happens when we interrupt it and go too soon? It's, it's unfortunately, it's like a birth that didn't happen. We stopped the birth. So Paul is saying, don't go beyond your time and don't disrupt the cycle of nurturing and maturing into both. Sow seed when you have the opportunity. And that's what it's all about. God gives us opportunities. We don't have to even go looking for the opportunities. How many of you know that time after time, you're not even looking for something or for something to do for God or somebody to bless and the Lord just puts them in your life? How many of you know that? That's an opportunity for God. We can miss those opportunities. We can be too busy. We can say, I'm busy doing something else for God and miss the opportunity that the Lord wanted for us. Remember that scripture, be worthy of strangers. One might be an angel that can bless you. What do we know? We must be those who are ready to seize the opportunity. Do you think that God is really moved by our agendas and schedules? I don't think so. I think God takes great pleasure in interrupting my agendas and schedules because he does it really often and he does it dramatically. I have a whole schedule for the day and about two o'clock in that day, I haven't even gotten to the first thing on my agenda. But I've already received a dozen phone calls and been sent to do this and sent to do that and responding to this and responding to that. And I finally put my arms up in the air and I say, well, that's not getting done today. And so I try not to have anxiety, but I get some anxiety because I'm the kind of a person who likes to accomplish what I've been sent to do. And then God gives me some more. And I look up and I say, are you really laughing? Is that what you're doing at this? And then finally I say, okay, Lord, it's not my will, but it's your will to be done. And then maybe at the end of the day, we hear these three words, I am pleased. I am pleased. So it's about season. Provision's all about season. You may not get everything that you think you need at the moment that you begin, but as you continue to go, it shall land on your plate. Now, Pastor Patty's taken on an enormous task with a little bit of help, not much. Some of you are helping, I'm trying, there's a few. She's, she's helping to launch an entire Bible college. You know how hard that is? Not only an, an accredited Bible college, an accreditation at the same time. And it requires syllabuses and classes and tools and research and website and so many different pieces, but day by day, something's happening to contribute a little bit more to it. There's a divine appointment, a relationship. Somebody calls me and says, you know, I told you I wasn't gonna be able to get my class done. Well, God changed that. I have all 14 of the first hours of the class finished. Tell Pastor Patty I'm sending it. That happened yesterday. That was the same person who told me it'd probably take him a year. He told me that three weeks ago. God changed it. You know why God changed it? Because he was supposed to go to Egypt 
to hold a conference, and he had 46 pastors there, and he couldn't go, so he had to go online, so he locked himself up. And he recorded everything over two days, and guess what? They still had the conference online, and guess what? We got the class for God. So God didn't care about that time. God didn't care about him being there. He laughed, and he said, in fact, the people told me it was the best they ever had. Online, the anointing was so strong. And he told me while he was writing it, they'd have to stop and weep and cry because the Holy Spirit was so strong. It's not by power, not by might, but by his spirit. So it's not about our presence as much as it is about the presence of God. I just have a few more things to share. How many of you know, and you know the old story about a seed? Maybe another time I'll get more into the actual science of seeds. But how many of you know that when you plant a seed, you don't expect just one seed to come back out? Now, there are some fruits that only have one seed, right? Avocado has one seed. And then uh, you have some, some other ideas like a cucumber that could have anywhere from 20 to 100 seeds. You have some others that have so many seeds you can't really separate them. And there's something that happens, it, it, the Lord develops that so that when it comes up and it begins to grow either into a plant or a tree or into something that's on a shorter stem, that it's encased so that the seeds are protected. How many of you know that even when an animal eats something that came forth, the seeds still come out? Did you know that? I'm not gonna tell you how they come out, I think you know. Those seeds come out. How many of you know that the people that carry seeds, the, 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 the animals that carry seeds from one place to another place the most are birds. They eat a piece of fruit over here and they take it over there. They're also the ones that carry the viruses the most all over the places. They're carriers because they get in the air and they go and they drop it. And so seeds have all kind of different vitalities and lives. It depends what you're planting. And there's different seasons for all of it. I know as a farmer and farmers around here, there's a time when you plant certain things and if you miss that cycle, it's over for the season, it's not gonna come up very well. How many of you have already begun to see that there's some fields that are getting green with stuff coming up that was planted before winter? And you're saying, wow, look at that. How many of you know there's a couple different cycles and seasons for corn or soybeans? You can miss them. But there's something, let's just take the corn, for example. One kernel of corn goes in the ground, but what comes up? A whole stalk. And that stalk has different ears on it. And how many different seeds are on each ear? So what was put in, what was sown, all of a sudden, it took a while. And it had to be sown at the right time in the right place. And it had to be cared for. But then God took over from that point, And it grew. And it became a stalk. How many of you know that stalk has the potential to be an entire harvest the following year? Think about that. So your seeds may not seem like a lot to you and I at the moment that we plant them, but they have such potential and capacity in God if we will only believe and be obedient and wait on the Lord. Patience in the Lord to bring to life that what he's supposed to bring. We don't want to get ahead of him. We don't want to get behind him. We don't want to miss our time, and we don't want to try to go before our time. So... What's the key to that with provision? Relationship. It's all back to relationship again. What have you heard 
from the Lord. What did the Lord tell you? What happens if you go to somebody and you say, the Lord said we should do this, this, and this, and they say to you, I hear you, but that's not what I'm getting. What's your reaction? Hmm? Be honest. Negative. You feel like you got slighted? How about maybe it's just not the time, or that's not the right person, or God's testing you to see what you're willing to do. I know for me, one of the hardest things for me to do is to sort out what God would have me put my hands to and not put my hands to, or to join hands with somebody in or not join hands with somebody in. When somebody brings me an idea and they want me to do all the work, you know what my reaction is? That's a great idea. You ought to do that. And most of the time they go away and I never hear about the idea again. But when somebody brings me an idea and they're putting their shoulder to the plow and it's in the kingdom of God, I call that kingdom. I say, let's go. Let's do it. I don't know what I can do to help you, but what I can do, I shall do. And according to the gift of God, let's see if we can accomplish it together. When God gives us a vision, don't make it somebody else's vision. Make it your vision. Now, we can contribute and join hands in the vision. And that's what we do as a body of Christ and in this ministry and in this church. I care about what you need, but I don't know what you need unless you tell me. I also care about what you're doing with God's given you, but I don't know what it is unless I see it. So we can join together. We can help each other. We can contribute to each other. But what's the word? Each other. It's called unity. A lot gets done in unity. Another key to provision is you are not the beginning and the end of the supply chain. Anytime that's your ministry and only your ministry, guess what? The supply chain is disrupted. That's where that word I has to decrease. We needs to come in and God gets the glory. Final point. Everything is relative, right? Where's it going? Remember Einstein and the theory of relativity? Well, we all think Einstein was talking in a whole different language that nobody could ever understand. And he was asked to speak at one of the top universities in the country. And this is how he explained relativity. They said, could you explain how the theory of relativity works? He goes, sure. He said, it's simple. He said, a man could spend one hour with a beautiful woman and he'd feel like it was one minute. But he could sit on a hot stove for one second and feel it for an hour. That was Einstein. It's all relative, isn't it? It's all relative. What is the vision God has given you that's relative to the provision? What does it feel like to you? How long will it be? What is God's plan in it? But when we stay in relationship with him, I promise you this, you will never lose your joy in your vision. If you feel like your vision is frustrating you or somebody else didn't pick up and run with your vision, don't look outside, look inside. I'm speaking from experience. We love to project something on somebody else, but the truth of the matter is it's between God and me and you and God and then us together. And when our visions merge and come together for God and the things of the kingdom of God, we are, a, we are an unstoppable force of God.
because all those resources are flowing through so many of us. Amen. Place of next. My prayer is that you're there and you wake up and know you're there. It's physical, but it's more so spiritual. Next week, if the Lord allows, I'd like to embellish and build upon this with stronghold. Now, stronghold has a negative connotation, doesn't it? We're going to pull down strongholds. We're going to break strongholds. But you know what the greatest stronghold is? God. So we're going to establish God as our stronghold in our place of next. The rest of those strongholds, we're not going to waste our time with. Because when God's your stronghold and he is your fortress and your strong tower, you don't have to worry about all the rest of that stuff. So next week, next week we're going to fortify the place of next. Amen. We've gone through a lot, the altars, the gates, so much provision, vision, understanding God. Now it's time to fortify it and enlarge the the pegs of your tents. Amen.